take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Please check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couple Synergy or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for nearly 20 years. Everyone says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create a relationship they've always dreamed of with with the partner they fell fell in in love love with. with. (laughs) And today's episode, Gene and I will be talking about the four tenets to navigating change in a relationship. Yes. And I would also say these are really important things to do early, early, early in a relationship. And obviously this is four tenets to navigating successful change in a relationship. Right. And so if you were to follow these four tenets, um, then you are going to be able to navigate change. See, change happens. Absolutely. Right. You, you evolve. in a I'm relationship. exactly the same as I was the day you married me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and you know, how many times we hear couples say that, you know, we just want to go back to the way things were when huh. we first met. Sure. And that is just impossible. You know, the funny thing about that is I think time has a way of tricking us. And so you go back and you see a picture of yourself in your 20s and you go, boy, I wish I had that body again. But then you also have to know how little you knew and how insecure you were and all the other things that go with it that you can't see in a picture. It's a complete package. Right. You can't Mm -hmm. just have all the best parts of yourself back then. Right. You know, the fact is that we evolve. We are evolving every single second. And we cannot go backwards. We have to learn to adapt, you know, to the changes that are happening. And as an individual, we are evolving. And so a relationship is evolving as well. You think about what hasn't changed. Even my name changed. Right. Yes. I mean, I'm not the same weight. I'm not the same uh, everything. (laughs) Everything changes. Well, my name didn't change. Your name didn't change. Your hair changed. Hey, yes. <laughs> My hair and hairline has changed. Yes. But everything changes more My than My waistline any, has changed. It's the same. So what are the four tenets? All right. Well, the four tenets are... Honesty, vulnerability, deal breakers or expectations, and flexibility or willingness to change your mind. So... Let's just, let's kind of go through each one and, you know, explain it for people. Um, but keep in mind, as we're going through this, if you were to honor these four tenants, anytime that you are facing some type of change in your relationship, you will be able to do this together and not have the stress of change actually create a distance between you and your partner or tear you apart. No, you can use it to actually forge your relationship and connect. So the first one, which is honesty. You know, honesty is a funny word. 
because there's a big difference between opinion and honesty. Right. right. People think that I'm just going to tell you exactly how I think and just spill it all out, the good, bad, and ugly, and they think that that's just being honest. So the honest piece is really about speaking into what you are really experiencing in life. And, you know, every movie out there usually is a movie because conflict gets created over the things that are left unsaid. And it wouldn't be much of a movie if people just spoke the truth. (laughs) And it's not, you know, so much like truth and lying. It's much more about discovering who you are and sharing that with your partner. And I think in our domestication, in the ways that we learn about being in the world, we're kind of taught to tell little white lies or to withhold because sometimes it seems like it might hurt the other person or they can't handle it or you want to avoid conflict. All of those things that actually create all the things you're trying to avoid. I like to use the distinction between thought truth and gut truth. Hmm. And that our thoughts, you know, and what we think isn't necessarily authentic. I was listening to someone talk about this today. And they were saying that our minds, you know, when we get these these automatic negative thoughts like, I'm not good enough or I'm bad at socializing or people don't like me, that we are really willing to believe those things, you know. Even though we can have all this evidence contrary to that, it's much easier for us to believe negative things and especially negative things about um, things that scare us. If there's a worldview out there and someone says, you know, this is really bad for you, whatever it is, we have so much of that right now in our diets or in our politics or in something that, you know, it sounds right, it just probably isn't true. But if it makes us feel better, we're going to believe it. We're going to believe negativity about another person and not see this fuller picture. And that is, you know, as I say, characterized by all thought truths. You know, we are in our thinking, we are filled up with our own opinions about things that we see or or encounter. We are also filled up by the messages of other people. But in our gut is authentic truth. And our gut will never lie to us. And our gut is always telling us what is the next right thing to do. And so when you are speaking from the place of your gut, that is true honesty. Right, because our gut doesn't have filters. Our gut doesn't say, well, is this pleasing to another person? Or will I be judged for this? Or what about self-esteem? It doesn't do any of that. It just feels. And I remember in our relationship fairly early on where I would come to you and I would say, I just have a feeling. I don't even know why I have this feeling. Like nothing happened. Um, I don't have a story around it. I just have a feeling. And we were able to start navigating really early on certain things that could potentially have been a problem. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, that is, I think that's a really important point because too quickly couples go from, I have a feeling about something to let's fix it. And that's not necessarily, you know, the path here to navigating change. It's really understanding Right. Right. And so if you are just voicing what your gut is feeling, then it gives an opportunity for you and your partner to bond and connect 
and to truly get to a level of understanding that will help you both navigate any type of change or stressful event that you're going through. You know, we were just watching this episode of This Is Us, and two of the wives, you know, went out off on their own to talk about their relationships with each other. And one of the wives said to the other wife, she said, you know, you should probably be talking to your partner about this. And I think that's how you would know. If you feel the need to talk about a topic in your relationship and you're trying to bounce it off friends or family, that is something you should be talking to your partner about. That's the feeling we're talking about. Like, you know, something doesn't feel okay. And you don't know if it doesn't feel okay because there's something coming up for healing within yourself or because you're trying to navigate something that might be out of balance and not keeping the relationship as safe as it could be. Right. You definitely shouldn't be sharing your thoughts about your relationship with anybody else except your partner, let alone sharing your gut feelings with anyone else but your partner. This is especially true very early on in a relationship because when you're a single person, you are used to going to your sister, your friends, your parents, whoever, you know, and the point of the relationship is for that person to actually become your person, not all these other people that have been holding that space until you're in a primary relationship. And then when you go talk to someone outside of the relationship about your relationship, what you're actually going to get back is their projection of their relationship superimposed onto your relationship that they have only half of the story about. We actually helped some friends navigate that just mm-hmm. recently. Yep. You know, where she actually shared with us some feelings and thoughts that she had in the relationship. And she didn't share that with him before coming to us. Right. And so we actually had a discussion, the four of us, and, you know, she was able to understand that she should have shared that with him first. She should have talked to him about that. And then if both of them wanted to talk to us about it, and share it with us, then, you know, that would be a decision that was made by the relationship. And here's why that goes south and brings us to the second tenet of vulnerability. It's not very vulnerable to share your perspective of a relationship with someone outside of the relationship because they're hearing your side. That's all they know. And so they're going to agree with you or not or whatever, but there's not a risk. There's not a vulnerability. When you take that same stuff and you share that with your partner, oh, very vulnerable. It's very difficult, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, you're risking rejection. You're risking abandonment. And a lot of times when we share our vulnerable feelings, the chances that our partner is going to take offense to it or become defensive is pretty good, right? I mean, anytime that, you know, we hear something negative about ourselves or about something we've done or some type of criticism, our natural reaction is to armor up, is to defend ourselves and to explain our actions, right? And so it feels uncomfortable because it is an uncomfortable thing to do, but it's absolutely necessary for couples to lean into it and to push through that so that they can get to a a deeper level of vulnerability, shared vulnerability with each other. And vulnerability doesn't only mean an issue you potentially have with your partner. It could be something that hurts you and your partner will probably feel uncomfortable because they can't help you. And really the help that you need 
is for them just to listen and to be able to share that vulnerable piece of yourself. And so if you're going to try to be vulnerable with each other, you want to slow those conversations way down. And that means you're going to do those mirroring techniques where you're just repeating back to your partner, here's what I heard you say. Or you can even ask them, is there something you need from me? And that helps you lean in and connect through vulnerability rather than wall up and armor up and distance yourself. And ultimately, it creates a safe space for you to land on. You know, your partner creates an environment where you can voice any uncomfortable feelings, uh, you know, any vulnerability or insecurity that you have. And then the two of you can figure that out together and heal it and move forward. And this is why it's really important to do this very early on in a relationship. Because if you are forming a relationship with someone and you become vulnerable with them and they don't honor and respect that, or they can't navigate through those things with you, that's a red flag right? That's something to pay attention to. And so if you save that stuff for six months or nine months or a year into the relationship, you have so much invested and you've created such a bad pattern already that you've probably already made not so good of choices in navigating that relationship. Oh, by that time, the the relationship would be really scary to be in. Mm -hmm. You'd be tiptoeing around your partner and being very careful about what you're saying and what you're doing and censoring yourself. I, I just couldn't that that feeling uh, would just lock me up. That would be a terrible feeling. I remember that story about the couple who, you know, the the guy asked the girl out and they were really excited and he goes and gets a haircut and he's like, oh man, because it was a terrible haircut, right? But he's not going to not go on the date. So he shows up at the door and, you know, she opens the door and she's like, wow, your hair looks amazing. I really love your hair like that. And he's like, oh, Okay. And of course they go on and they fall in love and they get married and 50 years later they get into a fight and she says to him, I hate your hair like that. They both hated his hair like that, but she was being nice. She was being, trying to make him feel good and he wasn't honest in saying, I don't like it. He's like, okay, I'm going to do that for you. And it's that kind of stuff that we do for all the right reasons, but they really drive disconnection in our relationships. Well, he probably should have updated his hair in 50 years anyway. So, <laughs> Well, you get the story. You know, we had a couple we worked with and they were in their 70s and they had met in Germany after the war. They were both very young. I think she was 13 during the war and he was 17 or 18. And they had never talked about it. They never talked about what it felt like to be separated as they were quarantined before they got on the ship and she had a baby and the baby was sick and the other women were trying to tell her not to let anyone know the baby was sick. And she found out she was pregnant and she was going through all that by herself. And he's on his side of the fence alone. And, you know, they never talked about all the feelings that went with that and how difficult that was. And, you know, I think that was, you know, part of the era at the time, you know, it was very scary to actually be honest you know, and kind of put yourself out there. And now talk about evolution and change. Our relationships and our society has changed that it is absolutely necessary now to share with each other, you know, that vulnerability and to share what it is that your gut is telling you and what you're feeling. It might have been part of society before in the past, but it's definitely not 
something that is expected now. That brings to the third tenant, and that is deal breakers and expectations. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to say that if you are speaking from a place of vulnerability and you are being honest about what you're feeling in your gut, you're going to feel like your gut's on fire. It's a really uncomfortable feeling. Just so you know that it's not something that feels lovely. It feels lovely after the fact. It doesn't feel good while you're doing it because it's vulnerable. You're exposing yourself. And so having these high expectations and deal breakers, why is that important? We always get in trouble when we, when we teach this. Right, because I think people feel the opposite, that they should have zero expectations of their partner. and Right, if I have no expectations, then I won't get hurt, so our relationship will be fine. Right, or expectations of your partner would mean control, right? I am controlling my partner by putting expectations on them. And, and that's not necessarily what we mean. Mm-mm. The expectations that you know we mean are like deal breakers and rules within the relationship that provides a level of safety so that both people feel you know comfortable in the relationship and they are meeting each other's expectations. I think the most difficult part with expectations and deal breakers are they're not about your partner at all. Right? They're about you understanding yourself and what you need and what you want to feel good in the relationship and what you're going to do if it's not there, right? And so people change throughout relationships and things that might have been okay at one point might not be. And so being able to say, this doesn't work for me. And if it doesn't change, then I'm going to have to figure something else out. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll leave the relationship unless it's really a deal breaker, then you probably should leave the relationship. The point of relationship is to understand yourself and to heal wounds and to grow and to become as an individual person to then be able to share as fully as you can with your partner. So the expectations are not about trying to control anybody. It's really about yourself and holding yourself to a place of expectation and deal breakers. So for example, an expectation would be we don't cheat on each other, right? That, that being faithful is an expectation in a relationship. And that seems like a very, you know, common sense one. But when you think about it from that perspective, then there are other expectations that come into play that most couples don't really think about. Like, for example, we had that one couple and we worked with that one of their expectations was that they didn't go out and drink without the other. So they didn't do like the guy's night out or the girl's night out. Um, they or just, they would go for coffee or something different. Right. Pl- go play basketball. They just didn't hang out in bars where there were other people of the opposite sex. Right. And that was an expectation that was created for their relationship specifically because of past wounds, you know, either one of them that they were bringing into the relationship. To set up that expectation meant creating a level of safety so that both people can foster trust and nurture that deeper connection with each other. Yeah, if we're going to talk about something like the word cheating, there's so many levels to that, you know, and it could be so complicated because let's say your partner wants to work 80 hours a week and they're investing all their time and their energy and all their 
the really best parts of themselves into their job. And then they're coming home exhausted, passing out and not investing at all in the relationship. That in essence is a form of taking something that belongs to the relationship and putting it somewhere else, even though it doesn't involve, you know, sexual cheating or another human being. And this could be true of hobbies or other things where someone's really not managing their time in a way that makes the relationship feel like a priority. So another expectation might be that, you know, energy is invested back into the relationship and that energy is not being invested in other things that would take away from the relationship. If I use the analogy of the battery, right? In the morning, we wake up at 100%. And then when we go through our day, we probably spend the majority of our energy towards work or kids or whatever obligations we have during the day. And then at the end of the day, we have maybe what, 30% left. And how do we use that time? How do we use that energy? You know, do we put that energy towards uh, TV? Do we put that energy towards working more or other people? And if we do that, we only have a little bit left for our relationship. And when you think about it as an energy exchange, then what are you investing your time in? And what is the expectation within the relationship as far as energy and an energy investment? And if you've gotten to a point in your relationship where every time you do have some time together, you start talking about problems and conflict, you're not going to want to hang out together. You're not going to want to have difficult conversations because there's not enough to draw from. And so a lot of people do do that and they do prefer to go check out and to go. There was that one person we had on the podcast and she said, oh, her son and daughter-in-law, they sit on the couch together and they interlock their feet and they both sit on their phones. That's their couple time. How easy is that? There's no vulnerability. There is no risk. It looks like we're together, but there's really no interaction or bonding happening. And that might be okay for them at that stage of their relationship. I don't know if they have little kids. I don't know how busy they are. But I mean, when you think about our relationship, there was a time you were in grad school. We were running a company. We Doing had little kids. Yeah. Yep. So we had much less time together. I think it's the only time in our relationship we went to bed at separate times. Right, right. And now we probably would almost never do that unless one of us wasn't feeling good or something, someone to sleep or something. But, you know, those are different expectations that we have because things have evolved and changed and we have more control over how we spend our time than the external things. So we're not talking about things being right or wrong or okay or not okay. Or even static. Right. They they can change mm-hmm. and they evolve as, as we've been using that word throughout this podcast. Your relationship is constantly going to evolve. And so you always have to be reevaluating the expectations in the relationship and whether it is working or whether you have to change those expectations together, right? You should never have to just tolerate anything. This is something that the two of you have to figure out together and constantly evolve. That brings us to the fourth uh, tenant, and that is the ability to change your mind. Right. And so it goes without saying that if we are evolving and constantly changing, we should be able to change our mind. Mm -hmm. You know, if we have a particular feeling about something or an expectation at one point in our relationship, well, 
that might change. You, your, your gathering of knowledge and, and experience through life may affect how you see that expectation. And so you should be able to change your mind and the relationship should be able to adapt to that. And again, this is something within the individual person. It's not a demand on the relationship. You think about just your physical body. Sometimes you go, you know what? I think I need to work out more or I think I need to eat different or, you know, and we change and we get into different habits and then we, we make a discipline or, or something so that we can change and get to a different place. And it's that kind of stuff. It isn't about the other person. Yeah, I think couples get stuck in this, this, in this thinking pattern that you said this and you said this at one point and now you're changing your mind. And they get so frustrated with that, it creates this inconsistency. You know, I would say that there's sometimes a lot of fear involved in what I would call making rules in a relationship. And those rules are trying to help one or both people sort of feel safe. But once you feel safe, you might not need the rule anymore. Once you feel safe, you might want to evolve and change into something that's a little bit more dynamic, something that evokes more feeling and and gives each other the power to choose for themselves and then to navigate what that feels like for the other person. So as you evolve as a person and as your relationship evolves as a couple, give yourself permission to not hold yourself to something that you might have said five years ago or 10 years ago and stay where you're at and allow your partner to also change and evolve and grow and don't keep pulling them back and say, you know, okay, now this thing is important to you that wasn't important to you before. How can we make that happen? How do we do this and how do we grow through this? And so all of these things, being vulnerable, being honest, having deal breakers and expectations and being willing to change are really dynamic ways of being in a relationship to allow the relationship continue to grow and flourish. I want to thank you so much for joining us today and for listening to Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. And we hope that by listening to this episode today, it was not only be- beneficial for you, but also your relationship. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as the Couples Weekend Intensive and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.